it's not quite yet the end of summer, but hey, we can wish, right? Especially after this past week. Uh, uh, at least we made it through Mother Nature's latest temper tantrum. Uh, yeah, wow, that was brutal to say the least. Uh, and, you know, most plants, if given enough moisture, can make it through periods of high temps. But I wish I could say that they make it through it unscathed. High heat can, you know, take its toll on plants. And while it will rarely kill an established plant, it can weaken it and uh, change a plant's appearance and ruin aesthetically uh, in a lot of instances. Leaf scorch is a problem that can occur for quite a few reasons. I figured that would be a good uh, topic to talk about today since I've been seeing it all over the place with this past week's uh, results of Mother Nature's little temper tantrum. But as I was saying uh, earlier, as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, it does not have to be about uh, the daily topic. It could be about... Oh, your lawn, gardens, trees, shrubs, houseplants, you know, whatever. Flowers, vegetables, give me a call, shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we got one caller waiting on hold, so we're going to jump right over to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dan. Hey, Dan. Um, I have something green and growing in my yard, and I'm being told it's, a, it's violets. Okay. And they, they spread rapidly, and it's taken, it's actually taken over my grass in some area, a couple of areas. Mm-hmm. Well, how can I get rid of those without going around and digging them up? Okay, violets are one of the hardest weeds to control. They're actually a bulblet, believe it or not, and they spread very, very rapidly, just like you said, if uh, given the right conditions. Now, there is a product out there on the market that will... Uh, do a halfway's decent job on violets, but the only problem is the best time to spray them is in the spring before uh, the blooms uh, f- fall off. Uh, okay. W- once summertime gets here, uh, you don't have as good of a chance of getting through because uh, leaves basically close off. Uh, the leaves have pores in them that absorb moisture f- from the air, and they close off on the violet plant. Now, one thing, if they are still alive right now, uh, meaning green, and uh, not, you know, gone into total wilt and dormancy stage because of uh, lack of water, the next time that we have a uh, rainstorm coming in, about an hour before the rain hits, uh, it's a very small window. But at that point, the uh, pores will open up to absorb in as much moisture as quickly as it can. And if you hit it up right at that time with the weed spray, you can knock them out. Uh, As opposed to, you know, spraying it before you uh, water them, because then you're just going to be washing the stuff off. Plants have no idea it's coming. But the uh, name of the spray that uh, you would need to pick up is uh, 4-Speed X. Oh, boy. Uh, Can you spell it for me? Uh, It's simple. Uh, Four-speed as in transmission. Okay. X, the letter. T, the letter. And I know you can pick up this uh, product at the uh, 
Ace uh, Hardware Store in West Salem. Uh, I'm not saying that's the only place, but that's the only one that I know of for sure that has it. Okay, I will try that. Okay, and don't go any heavier than uh, what, because you're going to be getting a uh, concentrate. You're going to have to mix it up to uh, spray it. Uh, don't go any heavier than the uh, label recommends. Uh, that's uh, false logic. It will not kill the weeds any better. Actually, it does a uh, worse job in a lot of cases. Okay. Okay. All right, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, good luck with that, Dan. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Good morning. This is Steve. Hey, Steve. What can I do for you today? Well, I've got a pepper plant. I've got a lot of them. Most of them are in containers, but I have one in the ground, and it's been doing just beautifully, and it's just full of peppers. Well, all of a sudden, every pepper's got like a white spot on it where it's starting to rot. Hmm. And it's not on the blossom end, and it's not on the stem. It's, it's usually like one of those, like the lobes that they form on top and bottom. Huh. But every single one. And the thing has been <laughs> doing just great. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is very possible. Uh, I'd have to see it, unfortunately, to yeah. be able to tell uh, 100% for sure. But uh, the main topic for today, I was going to talk about uh, heat scorch and leaf scorch. Right, and right. it is very likely the heat did that this past week. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I'd, I'd get out early in the morning and water, like about 5 or 6 a.m., then I'd, after work at 3, I'd water them real good again. Mm-hmm. It was always wilted, but it'd come right back. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if it was wilting, there was definitely using up the moisture in the ground, so you're not overwatering it. You know that. Right. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, this past uh, week has been... Played hell on a lot of plants, and uh, there's no other way to put it. I mean, it, it was just it was just as brutal to the plants as it was to us. And right. you know, we can get into the AC, but the plants can't. So <laughs> they're stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So just got sunburned, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's basically it. To be honest with you, yeah. uh, what I would do yeah. is uh, pick them off as soon as. Uh, you know they're large enough to uh, consume, and just cut okay. you know away from the dead area, and you should be good to go. All right, sounds good. Okay, good. Oh, well, thank you. Have, Have a good great day, day Steve. Bye bye. Bye now. Yeah, the uh, that heat is hitting up a lot of plants, and not only does it cook the uh, plants from uh, you know the outside and the inside both. But it also zaps away every bit of moisture that the plant has, uh, or tries to at least. And uh, that in itself can uh, really, you know, uh, wind up hurting a plant. And if you go to my Facebook page, uh, The Plant Doc of Lacrosse, uh, there's plenty of plant doctors out there on Facebook, but there's only one of Lacrosse. And uh, you can see some pictures that I've posted of, uh, let's see, I think there's a maple, a sycamore, and hollyhock or something like that. But uh, three uh, separate types of leaves with uh, different forms of uh, leaf scorch on them. And you can see exactly what it looks like. And it can appear as browning from the outside in to browning from the inside out, actually, where it will occur right around the uh, veins to the uh, leaf. 
Now, that's about the coolest one to see because a lot of times they'll look like uh, you're looking at an X-ray of the leaf. But uh, once the damage is done to the leaves, there's it's not going to fix itself, unfortunately. And this late in the season, we're probably not going to get too many, uh, you know, replacement leaves on the plants. Uh, the discoloration is there until the leaves fall off, and sometimes they can happen rather quickly. Sometimes they can hang on for a while. If uh, you do have a plant and it's got partially discolored uh, leaves on it and the plant was badly affected, don't pick off any of the leaves. Let them fall off naturally. Uh, because the leaves, even if uh, you know somewhat damaged, might still be producing some food for the plant. So you don't want to weaken it any further. And really about the only thing that you can do is try to alleviate any sign, you know, other uh, causes of stress for the plant at this point. Uh, we're right back, as far as the plants are concerned, in a full-fledged drought. Uh, I, we've got a maple tree on our property that is, it looks horrible. I mean, it's just wilting away. Uh, my um, forsythia bushes are... They look almost like they're dead. And uh, unfortunately, with the water bill in, on Alaska, I'm not going to go watering uh, the plants right. I'll let Mother Nature uh, you know, come back and take care of it. And there's usually not that much of an issue doing that either uh, because the plants can go into a state of dormancy and they do this naturally to uh, wait out periods of drought and high heat like we just had. Uh, I was hoping that this uh, little heat wave that we just uh, got done with would have at least ended with some rainstorms and given us some much-needed moisture. But Mother Nature saw fit not to have that happen. She can be a real putz. But uh, yeah, it can be a serious issue in this area, unfortunately. Uh, especially when we get up to temps like we had this past week on top of a drought. Uh, the plants need some extra TLC. Uh, get out there and make sure the air moves uh, freely around the plants as much as possible. Uh, if you can, get out there and water the plants and not just the light watering. Soak the ground, especially if you're talking about trees and shrubs. Now, give it a really, really good soaking. Uh, for a tree or shrub, I'd even take, uh, you know, not even use a sprinkler head or anything at the end of the hose. I'd just lay the end of the hose underneath the uh, base of the plant and let it go for a while. And uh, that way, there, you know, the plants can rehydrate themselves and come back to life. And uh, looking out at the weather forecast, let me bring it back up here, the 10-day. There's very little chances of rain, and we've got a possibility Monday night going into Tuesday. But other than that, uh, there's no real rain to speak of for the next week. And we could really, really use it right now. But, okay, there's a few other diseases that I did want to talk about today, too, that keep uh, historically they pop up this time of the year. And uh, we'll take care of that when we come back. But we're going to have to take a little bit of a break and uh, a little bit of business. But if you got a question about anything that's green or growing, 
Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back, and we've got one caller who's started uh, coming in over the break, so we're going to go ahead and shoot right back to the phone lines. But we still have two open ones, too, and uh, no texts. So if you got a question about anything that's green or growing, uh, give me a call, shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Nick. How are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good, Nick. What can I do for you? Um, I'm actually calling, um, we're, we're thinking about reseeding our lawn this fall, and I'm just wondering if that's a, a good time to do something like that, or, or what a good process would be for that. Okay, fall is the best time to seed, very honestly. And uh, the reason is, I know a lot of people think that you should go out and uh, do a spring seeding. That is false logic. Uh, you do a spring seeding, you're going to set the stage for crabgrass. Uh, but by doing a late summer, early fall seeding, you can go ahead and get your lawn uh, established and thick before the crabgrass even stands a chance at popping next year. So, okay. yes, uh, go ahead and uh, do the seeding uh, this fall, uh, late summer, early fall. Uh, any seed that doesn't uh, sprout this season will winter over and still uh, come up next year. Now, the uh, catch is... If you do it too late, and uh, let's see, this is end of August, so we got September, October. It's really iffy if you're going to be able to get bluegrass to uh, germinate right now, uh, which is usually one of the, uh, it makes up about a third of uh, the major grass seeds in, you know, your better uh, uh, seed mixes. So, uh that probably, you've got about a 50-50 chance of it germinating right now. So uh, you're not going to be able to use a uh, crabgrass preventer next year. Okay. Uh, because that will keep the, uh, you know, the good grass seed from germinating as well. But hopefully you won't need one anyhow. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, you can do your seeding now. Uh, once it uh, starts to, uh, you know, emerge... Uh, you can go ahead and uh, make sure it doesn't dry out. That is very important. Uh, you can leave the seed to go dry until it starts to germinate, but once it starts to germinate, watering it is very important. And mm -hmm. uh, you keep watering it. Uh, you don't want the soil to totally dry out until after you've cut it a couple of times. Uh, you can slowly start backing away uh, to get it used to having uh, less and less water, but uh, you really don't want to uh, stop watering until it's been mowed for at least a month, to be very honest with you. Okay? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, we're, we're actually we're thinking about tilling up the, the grass that's there right now mm -hmm. to, to get the soil um, ready for it. Okay. Is that, I mean, is, is that a good idea to do? Just it, it, We're kind of trying to flatten out the, the, the yard. Okay. Uh, do you have like a uh, uh, the capability of using like a lawn tractor or something like that? Or are you doing this by hand? Or yeah. You, yep. do, you can use a lawn tractor. Okay. What I would do then is uh, you can go ahead and till it out and then see if you can get a uh, piece of... Uh, we used to use uh, a piece of chain link fence 
and uh, we'd bolt a couple of chains to it. Uh, we'd put a couple of like two by sixes at one end, uh, put the chain through it and uh, drill through the two by sixes and uh, just run some bolts through their lag bolts uh, to hold it into place and drag that behind the tractor. And that will smooth it out uh, much. You know, you keep just going back and forth with that, and it'll knock out all the uh, dirt clots and uh, such. It'll give you a nice, uh, smooth lawn. And go ahead, go out and uh, seed it. Then either you can go over the top of the uh, ground again with the uh, tractor and chain link to work that seed into the soil. Or if you have a smaller area, you know, you can just go out there and do it with a uh, spring rake. Turn the rake upside down so the uh, tines are facing up and just uh, go across to doing like X pattern uh, type strokes. You know, keep making X's uh, just to work the seed down into the soil. And you'd be good All to right. go. Okie doke. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It sounds, sounds <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of any of that stuff. Mm. I appreciate it. Okay, well, good luck with that and uh, have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. And, yeah, that's uh, one of the biggest fallacies that my brother and I were just talking about this uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I reminded him of uh, a millionaire that used to live down the street from us. Uh, this is back in the day when millionaires weren't as common as they are now. But uh, the, guy, the family's name was Petrillo. And uh, they had this big front lawn. Yeah, beautiful. It was perfectly manicured, you know, beautiful bluegrass. And we go out there with a stick uh, early in the spring, and we'd scratch a big pea, giant pea for Petrillo, out in the middle of the guy's lawn. And you wouldn't even know it that we were there until the crabgrass sprouted wherever we uh, disturbed the uh, soil, <laughs> you know, disturbed the uh, grass at, and uh, that came up nice light green crabgrass. So he had this beautiful dark green lush lawn with a very presentable pea right in the middle of it for his uh, name. So we were figuring we were doing him a favor. Okay, and with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break and take care of a little bit of news, a little bit of business, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM and the Plant Doctor Show in just a couple of minutes. Go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back, and we had a text message come in uh, over the break, and we're going to go ahead and uh, get right to that. But if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, Please go ahead and give me a call. It does not have to be about the topic of the day, which is kind of lawn stressors and lawn diseases. But it could be about your lawn, your lawns or your gardens, trees, shrubs, houseplants, whatever. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, uh, they say here, our red maple trees' leaves are turning yellow. But the veins are still green. After Googling it, we think it may need, uh, we think the pH may need to be lowered. What is your opinion and what should we do? Okay, uh, yellow leaves, uh, that is very subjective. 
you could because a lot of people say that leaves are turning yellow when they're getting chlorotic, or uh, it could be the heat stress that I was talking about earlier, which would be tanning out, you know, like a yellowish tan. Uh, and both uh, things have two different uh, causes to make that happen. Now, as far as the pH goes, it really depends on the type of uh, maple tree that you have. Most maples enjoy uh, more alkaline soil, neutral to alkaline soil, more towards a neutral base, but some do like acidic. Uh, And it's pretty much like the Japanese cut leaf maples that uh, really uh, enjoy the higher acid, they're the acid lovers of the maple trees. Uh, so, uh, that could be a possibility, but I'm thinking it's going to be heat stress because of, uh, you're saying that they're turning yellow, but the veins are still green. And that is what I was talking about before, uh, earlier in the show, when I say that the leaves almost get like it, it's almost like an X-ray, uh, appearance to them where you're seeing the bones. Well, in this case, you're seeing the veins, of the leaves. And the reason why you're seeing the uh, veins is the heat has pushed the chlorophyll and the sap out of the uh, leaf, uh, the leaf tissue. And it's back in the veins at this point. So the veins are still going to appear to be green. But the uh, leaf tissue itself will be going back towards its uh, normal color or uh, a dried-out color, like I was saying, like a tan or a tawny-type uh, yellow. Uh, so it's really going to depend on what variety of maple that you have uh, as to what the uh, acidity should be. What I would do is, if you know the variety, great, and just look up the proper pH for that, and you can have your pH tested uh, just by, you know, taking some soil samples around the uh, base of the tree and bringing it into a co-op and having them check it out for you. And uh, it, there's a very small fee for doing the test, and they'll tell you exactly what the plant needs. And you could do this for your lawns as well, for that matter. And But if you're doing it for your lawn, what I would do, unless you have two, like, totally different types of growing areas, do a... Uh, take many samples from different areas in the lawn and mix them all together. And that way there you can get a general overview of what your lawn's going to need as opposed to just taking a sample from one spot. Because who knows, maybe a dog peed in that spot and the lawn's going to be a bit more acidic in that one area. Uh, or maybe you've got uh, some type of plants that are drawing all the... Uh, nitrogen out of the soil so uh, one area is going to show up as needing more nitrogen than another area will so it's always best to uh, take a bunch of separate samples and mix them together now granted if you have two different types of environments like if your backyard might be shady and your front yard full sun do two tests uh one for your front yard, one for your backyard. Again, taking uh, a variety of samples and mixing them together. And you know, that way there you're not going to be paying to have you know each individual spot tested. And uh, generally, you know, what's good for a yard is going to be good for the yard. It does, it's 
not rocket science, where it has to be exact in any way, shape, or form. Okay, uh, we've got no texts and no phone calls. 608-785-7914 is our phone number. Please do not wait until the end of the show to give a phone call. Uh, That tends to happen, and I get a bunch of people calling in all at once, and uh, I can't get to everybody then, unfortunately. Uh, And, you know, the time that's left to the show. So if you got a question, don't be shy. Go ahead and give me a buzz. I'll keep it as painless as possible. Now, there's a turf disease out there that has this amazing ability to get kids into hot water with their moms. And I love talking about this disease every year. And this is the week that the parents are, you know, they're going out to get their uh, kids their back-to-school clothes. And the first day back to school always finds the students dressed in their best Brand new clothes, you know, pants and dresses on the little girls, and uh, they're really looking spiffy. And every one of these kids will leave the house on Monday morning with a kiss on their heads and a pat on their butts and the warning, don't you dare get those clothes messed up. So off go Johnny and Mary, skipping joyfully down the sidewalk to the bus stop. Well, maybe realistically they'll be dragging their butts you know, dreading heading to prison, but, you know, hey, when they get there and they see the rest of the inmates, uh, the rest of the kids, uh, all those thoughts vanish and they're happy again. Now, they start to run around and frolic on the playground until a bell calls them into their classrooms. Then they go out again at recess to play again. Now, everyone... Of these kids, of course, remembers a warning about messing up their uh, new clothes and shoes. Uh, They're not going to do anything to do that because, of course, you know, they never want to go against Mommy's wishes. But after school lets out, they all head home, and there's Mommy standing in the door waiting for them, anxiously awaiting to hear, you know, how the day went. And they walk inside their house, and Mom goes Chernobyl on them because their shoes and dresses and pants are stained with this orange stuff. And the funny thing is, is the kids don't have the faintest of an idea where it came from. And that's the truth, too. The thing is, and the kids are saying, I don't know how it got there. This time they're telling the truth. The substance that's covering their clothes is a uh, mold spore. And don't worry, it's harmless to humans and pets. It's not going to hurt anybody. Uh, Not all mold spores are uh, equally as bad as, like, uh, the black mold is. This particular turf disease is called rust. And it occurs pretty much this time every year. And the conditions where it happens for the most part are found in the less cared for grassy areas. You know, kind of like a playground or a boulevard that the kids are going to be uh, walking on uh, to and from school. And to look at rust on a blade of grass under a microscope, it's really cool. Uh, To see this, it would help you understand what happens to your kids' clothes. The kids or this uh, disease appears as tiny little pustules on the uh, blade of grass. Uh, They actually look like little tiny cone volcanoes, uh, which explode 
when they're disturbed. And as this volcano explodes, it sends the rust or the spores out. And in badly infected lawn, you can walk across the lawn with a pair of brand new white tennis shoes. And they will be a solid rusty orange by the time you get across the lawn. Uh, A badly infected lawn, you'd have no problems doing this. And the kids, uh, they're just going out and, you know, playing on the playground, and they had no idea what was happening. They did not color their clothes. They did not paint their shoes orange or anything else. So, uh, you know, give the kids a break, realize what's going on, and understand it will wash right out uh, with no issues whatsoever. It doesn't even stain. Now, uh, Mother Nature sets this up to spread the spores efficiently. Uh, And they latch onto things so they can be carried to new and more exciting spaces and places. Uh, She doesn't care that they get adhere to your kid. And you can also find evidence of uh, rust on anything else that goes across the lawn. Your pets, uh, hoses, lawnmowers, dog chains, you know, whatever. If it's out there uh, being put on top of the grass, uh, it stands a really good chance at getting covered up with this, uh, you know, orange-colored rust. Now, there is another uh, mold spore that uh, hits. This one here is during the summertime and usually very humid weather, hot and humid weather, kind of like we just had. And this one falls very similar to uh, rust. It's called and. The, uh, the name of it is, sounds kind of dirty, but it's not. Uh, it's called Black Smut, S-M-U-T. Uh, has nothing to do with watching the skin flicks on television. But uh, Black Smut is essentially the same thing as rust, except in this case, it's black and not red. And the first time I uh, came across this was on a uh, large lawn over off of County B. And uh, this is one that I've never had, never happened back east. But uh, this one lawn was just covered with the stuff. And you don't see it looking out across the lawn. Uh, It resides lower on the blade of grass than rust does. Rust will uh, go all the way to the tip. But the black smut stays uh, down closer to the uh, crown of the plant. Uh, Or at least that's where it's heavier at. And so you don't see it when you're looking across the lawn. You have no warning that it's going to happen. And I got down there with my machine, which was first stop that day. And it was freshly washed. And I get out there and I throw a load of fertilizer. I come back uh, to the truck to reload. I look at my machine, and not only is my machine black, but so are my uh, feet and my legs from all the uh, spores being kicked back up at me. And that one threw me for a loop because I had never even heard of this stuff before moving out here. And I read into it, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So that's all it is, is this stuff called black uh, smut, and it's not really going to do any major damage. 
Uh, and the good thing about rust, too, and smut both, is they occur in lawns that do not have much nitrogen in, in them. <clears throat> so that means with a proper fertilization, you can push the disease out. Uh, it'll create more top growth on the plant, unaffected top growth, and uh, you, know, you cut away the uh, bad stuff, and that leaves the good stuff remaining, and you're good to go. So uh, then the key thing is, well, the disease won't grow in a high nitrogen environment either. So by putting the nitrogen down, getting the uh, lawn to grow, you're creating an environment that the uh, disease will not, uh, you know, favor that lawn any longer. Uh, So it will stop the growth as well. But... You have to be careful not to over-fertilize because there's some diseases that uh, love a high nitrogen environment. And we'll get back to them in just a little bit. But, uh, okay, we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break here. We got uh, a little bit of business, and eh, we can still keep going here for a couple of minutes. Uh, It's not quite, we're missing the uh, clock in here on the wall. So I have to look up the computer to see what time it is. Uh, uh, let's see, what other things are there uh, that we can talk about uh, aside from smut? Uh, let's see, we've covered that one there. Uh, oh, yes, there is a weed out there that everybody, you know, nobody thinks that when people say uh, hay fever and seasonal allergies, the first thing that comes to mind is grass uh, pollen. Oh, most grasses are done pollinating, with the exception of crabgrass right now. Uh, maybe some weedy grasses. But uh, most grasses are done. Uh, other things that are out there uh, pollinating right now is ragweed. And that one gets the brunt of uh, the blame for people's seasonal allergies. But the actual plant that does the most damage out there is one that every just about everybody has in their lawn. It's called plantain. And plantain, it kind of looks like dark green leaf lettuce is about the best way to put it. And uh, it grows out there easily on the edges of your lawn, any, uh, you know, thinner areas it'll pop up at. And uh, most people are familiar with it because they get a very, uh, I know the kids are familiar with it because it gets a tall seed spike and you can pull the seeds off of them and throw them at each other. And we always used to like throwing them in the girl's hair and such and they get all bent out of shape because then they'd have to brush it out. You know, I was a really nice little kid. But, uh, yeah, it's a very common plant in the area, and this one here actually causes more issues with allergies than any other plant out there. And it doesn't even have a noticeable flower to it. Now, the good thing about plantain is it goes down super easy when sprayed with 2,4-D. Any uh, 2,4-D product uh, like Weed Be Gone, 
uh, the four speed XT uh, will knock it right out. Uh, any of those uh, should take it right out. The bad thing about it is, and like I said, it is very, very common. And it doesn't like, or it loves thinner lawns. So places uh, like schools, playgrounds, parks uh, that do not have, you know, the best upkeep. The grass is there, but it's, you know, got some thin areas and stuff like that. You're going to get a ton of it. And, uh, you know, Copeland Park is loaded with plantain. And, uh, you know, this stuff blows in. You get a westerly wind, and that's all blowing onto the north side of lacrosse right there. So, you know, it gets people's allergies kicking up big time. Now, like the uh, Russ I had talked about earlier, too, weather conditions are going to set the stages for a lot of lawn diseases to get cranking. And there are a few that I did want to go over because uh, where rust, uh, it kind of coincides with your lawn as a symbiotic uh, relationship with the uh, grass, and it usually won't hurt it. Uh there's a lot of lawn diseases out there that can do some serious damage. And I figured we'd talk about them when we come back. But uh, if you got a question, please feel free. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Don't wait for the end of the show. Uh, number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. So uh, make sure you're out there watering your uh, plants and such, because they could use it, especially after this past week. Now, Another thing that this past week is going to really get cranking up are a lot of fungal diseases because actually it was too hot for some of them, which is a little bit of a saving grace. But uh, now that the weather's cooling off and the humidity is still out there a bit, uh, I would be worried about it because the grass is already in the uh, weakened state. And uh, one of these diseases is uh, dollar spot. Now, dollar spot is one of the easy, most easiest recognized diseases out there on the lawn. And if you go out there in the morning when the uh, grass is still wet with dew and you look at your lawn and you see a bunch of little silver, round silver dollar-sized cobwebs, basically, scattered about your lawn. And uh, more than likely, they're not cobwebs, though there are some types of uh, lawn spiders that you can see. They're little webs like that. But uh, more than likely, this is the mycelium growth of uh, the fungus uh, called dollar spot. And at that point, it's not really done the damage yet. And if you get out there, hit it up with the uh, fungicide, uh, knock it back into remission, Generally, the weathering conditions don't hang around long enough uh, in this area to warrant two applications of the fungicide, but eh, sometimes it might. But uh, not all diseases give you a warning either, and there are a couple of them out there. Uh, Rhizoctonia is one. Uh there, uh, what's the other, uh, Fusarium is another, where a lot of times, you, by the time you see the damage, 
you know, the dead areas of the grass, the damage has been done for a long time. And you're only seeing the dead areas because Mother Nature has stressed the lawn out so much that, you know, those weakened areas die. And, uh, you know, they're sticking out like a sore thumb now. But the damage could have been done, you know, months ago, literally, especially in the case of uh, Rhizoctonia or Brown Patch. And so it's always good to get an idea of what these diseases are, their early warning signs, and, you know, what to look for, and, that, and knowing uh, how to treat each individual one. There is a book out there on the market, uh, the uh, Scott's put it out, uh, or, or rather Ortho put it out. It's called The Problem Solver. Actually, it's a series of books. And uh, they've got the, one called All About uh, Lawns, and there's another one All About Lawn Diseases. They're two excellent books. Of course, they're going to uh, offer you uh, ortho-based uh, solutions, you know, the chemicals that ortho sells to uh, fix the problems. But these books are filled up with beautiful pictures, and they're written in layman's terms that anybody can understand. I mean, you don't have to understand, you know, Latin to be able to go in and look these things up and to get a decent understanding of, uh, you know, what's exactly out there attacking your lawn. And, uh, like, there's ortho uh, all about lawns or there's trees shrubs uh, you name it i think they even have one for washer and dryer repairs or something like that too so it's they just don't stick to plants but they're a really good series of books to have uh each one's they're like magazine size uh but they're uh made like a, a soft cover book and of course you can always get the ortho problem solver which are all these books combined and this one here would probably cost you about $100 or more, too. It's really thick and weighs about 40 pounds and makes an excellent home defense weapon. I mean, you drop this thing on top of somebody's head and they're dead. But, uh, yeah, the Ortho Problem Solver is a very, very good book to have. But that's like the gold standard. Uh, most homeowners can get by with the, uh, with the uh, you know, all about series and uh, they also have all about weeds and stuff like that what's the best way of taking care of them and it's all in all a really good series of books to check out but that's going to take care of the show for this week 